Well, the sermon titled today is, It's Easy and It's Hard. And what that means is, there are ways in which following Jesus Christ is hard. There are ways, there are parts of following Christ that are hard. They're supposed to be hard. They're intentionally hard. They, they are hard. And we dare not turn those hard parts of following Christ into something easy. They're really hard. They're like, don't try this without a new heart hard. They're like, don't try this without the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit living within you hard. They're like, don't try this unless you have a whole tribe of brothers and sisters exhorting one another daily hard. They're hard. Jesus talks about if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Radical measures must be taken sometimes in following Jesus. It's hard. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Obviously, that's an extreme. He doesn't really mean you do that. It's an exaggeration to make a point. The point is, radical measures must be taken sometimes in following Jesus Christ. It is not all easy. There are parts that are hard. Paul tells us there are spiritual battles. There is warfare. There are fiery fiery darts flying all about you. And you have armor that you must wield, and you have weapons for your warfare. It is hard. Peter tells us that there is an adversary of your soul. He is roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It is hard. If I am not mistaken, following Jesus Christ, living the Christian life, is rigorous and demanding and hard. And when we talk about the easy part, which we will talk about today, we do not want to downplay the hard parts, the the hard parts of following Jesus Christ. There are ways in which it's hard. At the same time, there are ways in which following Jesus Christ is easy. It is so easy that any child can turn their little heart to the Lord Jesus and begin following him. It's easy. You don't need to be rich. It's okay if you're poor. You don't need to be a PhD. It's okay if you didn't make it out of high school. You you don't need to be of a certain strata of, of culture. It doesn't matter if you're high culture, low culture, no culture. It doesn't matter. There are ways in which following Jesus is easy. You don't need to be able to deadlift 500 pounds, which is a good thing because almost no one on the planet ever gets to deadlift 500 pounds. One of the sorrows of my life, I didn't make it to 500. I didn't even make it to 400. (laughs) And then I had to give it up. But you don't have to be able to deadlift four or five hundred to be able to follow the Lord Jesus. It's easy. There are things about following Christ that are easy, and we want to keep those things easy. We don't want to add to the easy part and make it hard, nor do we want to subtract from the hard parts and make it easy. We want it all just the way Jesus Christ told it, told us it is to be. We're going to start with the hard part. I'll put it up there. Following Jesus is hard. Would anybody say amen to that? 
Thank you. I know I was fishing there, but you all gave me a fish, so thank you. It's hard. There are things about following Jesus Christ that are just plain hard. Let me put the verse up again, and you'll see. I'm just going to skip ahead to where he says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So you get the picture, the picture the Lord Jesus is making. There's two gates, and each gate leads to a way. There's two ways, two gates and two ways. There's a very broad, a very wide gate. It's easy to get through that. You can hang on to all your idols and all your loves that displace God. You can hang on to all your sins that grieve His Spirit and wound your soul. It's a very wide gate. You can cart all your junk right through that gate with you. And it leads to a very wide way, a very wide path. You can veer all over the place. You're still on the path. You can get all away from the will of God, but you're still on that path because it's a very easy gate and a very wide path. And The problem with that path is it leads to destruction, and many people choose it. But then there's a narrow gate. Is anybody here claustrophobic like I am? I'm really, I'm really claustrophobic. Like, you will never, ever get me to get on that church elevator out there. I am not doing that. I... Even if I wasn't claustrophobic, I'm not getting on that thing. But, but man, I get in there, and I am terrified. I can't take small spaces. And there are people who do this thing called spelunking. You familiar with that? Where they go down underground and way down underground with a little light on their hat. They're going through these little narrow passageways where you're just about to. I would die. I could never do that. But that's the picture Jesus has here. You can't cart all your sins and all your idols and all your loves through there. And when you get through the narrow gate, then there's a very hard and narrow way that leads to everlasting life. It's a very narrow path you walk on, circumscribed by the will of God on either side of your life. Here are the things you should not do. Here are the things that you should do. Keep your feet on the path. It's hard. It's a, it's a narrow gate and a narrow way, and it's hard. That's Jesus' version. That's the true version of biblical Christianity, of following Jesus Christ. But now, this is going to get confusing, so follow with me. I'll try and explain this clearly. So we're talking about right now, there's, it's, there are hard parts of Christianity. Later, we're going to talk about there are things about it that are easy. It's easy following Christ. But right now, while we're still on the hard things about following Christ, there's a false easy. There's a false easy that you don't want. It's not the right easy, the things you want to keep easy. It's a false easy. It's things people make easy when it should be hard. It's the wide and easy version of following Jesus Christ. Let's talk about that a little bit. There are wide and easy versions that nonetheless claim to follow Christ, but nonetheless lead to destruction. And they all subtract things from following Jesus. They all subtract things from the will of God. There is, for example, decisionism, rampant in our country. I made a decision. That's good. You should make a decision to turn your heart open to the Lord Jesus and begin to follow him. But lots of people make a decision and then never follow him. The Bible says they believed, but they believed in vain. They believed, but they did not 
really opened their heart. It did not come from their heart. It was intellectual assent only. Okay, I believe the facts. Jesus is God in the flesh. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried. He was raised. He ascended to the right hand. I believe those facts. I assent to them mentally. But we never see any fruit in your life. We never feel any pulse in your soul. Uh, We never feel your heart passionate about God. We don't see you following Christ. You just made a decision. A decision, but you subtract from it spiritual interests that invariably follow, spiritual pulse that invariably follows, spiritual breathing that invariably follows. I made a decision but I'm not following Jesus, and I'm not part of a church, and I have no interest in the things of God, and I want to live my life my way, dear friend, chances are your decision meant absolutely nothing. You turned something that's hard into something that's easy, and it's a false easy. It's not the easy that comes with Christ. Here's another wide and easy version of following Christ. I'm calling it license. Here's how the reasoning goes. Well, the blood of Jesus Christ has covered all my sins. So I can do whatever I want because his blood continues to cover my sins. So I can break commandments if I want because his blood keeps covering my sins. So I can live my way and follow my loves and my idols. And it's all okay because the blood of Christ covers my sins. The blood of Christ covers your sins when you're a new creature in Christ. And when you're a new creature in Christ and the Spirit of God indwells you, things change in your passions and your loves and your desires and your soul and your life. And when we do not see those changes, when we see an aversion to those changes, we have to wonder is there really a new heart inside? Now, I will be the first to admit that Christians can be ill. Have you ever been ill as a Christian? Have you ever gone through a time where you were weak and maybe wavering in your faith? A Christian can be ill during a time of illness. Can they do some pretty dumb and pretty bad stuff? Yeah, they really can. Christians are quite capable of doing really bad stuff. We're not all delivered from that yet. We will be one day when we're with the Lord. But if you habitually unrepentantly, no pangs of conscience stay there. You better be worrying about your soul. It's license. It's bad easy. It's a wide and easy version that thinks it's following Christ. Or next, there's just plain old anarchy. Anarchy means a refusal to recognize the authority of a legitimate government. This person says, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, but not as my Lord. I refuse his government. He does not rule over me. His will and his word do not call me to obedience. I still rule by life, but I gladly accepted the benefits of his death on the cross. That is something that we might call anarchy, and there's no place for it in the will of Jesus Christ or in the purposes of God. I think I am safe and right in saying, if Jesus Christ has not become your Lord, then neither has he become your Savior. You cannot have one half of Jesus. You cannot say, I'll take the Savior side, you keep the Lord, and maybe I'll make another decision later and actually allow him to be Lord. No, you receive him as a whole Savior and as a Lord. And then there's another version that I'll just mention of wide and easy versions of following Christ, but they subtract things from the gospel, and that is 
idolatry. I've become a Christian in name, but it hasn't changed my heart. It hasn't changed my idols. It hasn't taken away my idols and put God in that place. So now God is the most important thing in life to me. He is the center of my existence. He is the center of my life. He is the center of my universe. Everything I do is built around God at the center of my soul. All idols, an old hymn says, underfoot be trod. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. And that's your new song in Christ. But there are people who say, well, no, I've made a decision. I've accepted Christ. I prayed the prayer, but I'm still really in love with me and my idols and things that don't please God, and these are the things I follow. They're the center of my life. Have you made a decision, but you don't seem to love God much? You don't seem to love His kingdom much? You still love knitting more than you love God? There's nothing wrong with knitting, but when it becomes your idol, there's everything wrong with knitting or anything else. So there is this wide and easy version, or there are these versions of following Christ. Okay, so let's ask this. What's the hard version? Jesus Christ talked about it being hard. What is the hard version? I do want to drink this morning, and I left it down here, so you all, I'm not coming after you or anything there. You all right? There we go. Thank you. What's the hard version? Let's go back and review what Jesus said, Matthew 7, 14. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it, this is terrible, are few. It's terrible. It's frightening. Okay, what is this narrow gate? What is narrow about following Jesus Christ? What is this hard way? What is hard about following Jesus Christ? Well, that could be a long list. So I tried to boil it down to a few things that might help us here. The narrow and hard version of following Jesus Christ, first, it rests upon the exclusive truth claims of Jesus Christ. It's narrow. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have come to believe and accept his exclusive truth claims. Exclusive, like if what Jesus said is true, those are all false. There are no longer many roads that lead to heaven. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's an exclusive truth claim. And you have come to Jesus Christ. He is your Savior, your God. The Word of God is His Word, and it's exclusive to all other truth claims. That's narrow, especially in our day, in our culture. 2020 United States, that's hard. You look like a bigot. You look like you're um, biased against other people. You, you just don't look nice. Here's another thing that's narrow and hard about biblical Christianity. It demands repentance. Now, what is repentance? Repentance is simply a whole-souled turning from life your way to life His way. That is repentance. Repentance says, no longer me, you. You are at the center of my existence. You are at the center of my soul. You rule my life. 
You have my loves. You have my passions. All my great desires are about you. It includes repentance. The great reformer, Martin Luther, back in the 1500s, who brought about the Protestant Reformation, said the entirety of the Christian life is one of repentance because we keep on sinning. So we keep on repenting, and we keep on sinning, and we keep on repenting. And if you're not repenting, and repenting, and repenting, there's something very sick or dead about your version of following Jesus Christ. The narrow and hard part is a life of repentance. And here's another narrow and hard part of this life. It includes actually following Jesus Christ. Well, how novel was that? A life of following Jesus actually includes following Jesus. What is the great commandment Jesus gave his church? He said, I want you to make disciples everywhere, baptize them, and then do this. Teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. So that's part of the job of the church. That's part of the job of your pastors. That's your job to one another. We all teach each other to obey everything Jesus commanded. That means we have to learn everything Jesus commanded, and then we want to have our feet on that narrow path so that we live according to what Jesus commanded. It includes actually following Jesus Christ. And furthermore, the narrow and hard version includes fighting temptations and mortifying sins. That's where Those words I read earlier might come in where Jesus says, if your eye offends you and it's going to send you to hell, pluck it out. Better to enter into life one-eyed than to go into eternal condemnation with both eyes. If your hand offends you and it's getting you to sin, 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 and it's keeping you from the Savior, just cut it off. Do something radical is what that means. It's better to do something radical than to miss out on everlasting life. It includes fighting temptations, mortifying sins. I just want to ask you, is there anything in your life that resembles fighting temptations and mortifying sins? Is there anything rigorous in your version of following Jesus Christ? Is there anything hard? Has it been hard this week because you've been following the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a narrow way. It's a narrow gate. And it's a hard way. Furthermore, the narrow and hard version, one more thing, it crushes idols. Maybe one of the biggest differences between a Christian and a non-Christian is, there's a lot of things that it wouldn't be. Can a Christian be a not very good husband? Yeah. Can a non-Christian be a not very Yes. Can a non-Christian be a pretty good husband? Yeah. Can a Christian be a pretty bad? Yeah. What's the big difference between them then? Total difference. The non-Christian lives for an idol, probably named self. And the Christian has turned from all idols and lives for God. The problem with idols, however, is they keep creeping back up. We've talked about this before, so some of you have heard this too many times. Some of you have been hearing my preaching for a long time. I pity you people. And you've heard the whack-a-mole story too many times, but sin in your life is like playing whack-a-mole. Anybody play whack-a-mole? Yeah. And one pops up, you whack it, he's gone. Another one pops up, you whack it, he's gone. That's just like sin in your life. 
And usually we have what the Puritan Christians used to call a bosom sin. You have a couple of bosom sins, and yours aren't the same as mine, but they're the big powerful ones in your life that keep coming up and keep coming up, and you whack them and whack them and whack them and whack them. Guess what? That's the Christian life, repenting and mortifying, repenting and mortifying, repenting and mortifying, and turning from the idol of that whack-a-mole. It keeps popping up in your life. It's hard. So let me put this phrase up again for you. If your version of following Jesus Christ is not hard, it's not Jesus' version. And I ask you a very simple question before we turn to the easy part. Are you on that straight and narrow path following Jesus Christ that leads to everlasting life? It's hard. It's hard. It's like sometimes you want to give up in despair hard. It's like sometimes you're so down on yourself because you keep messing up hard. It's hard. But then, as we saw a couple chapters later, Jesus turns right around and says, It's easy. It's easy. You feel a sense of relief in the room right now? Okay, we got past the hard part. Now we're going to do the easy part. Give me the easy part. All right, we're going to do the easy part. Let me just put it up like this. Following Jesus is easy. It's so easy. It's incredibly easy, obviously in a different way. It's not easy and hard in the same way at the same time. That would be illogical. That would be impossible. So it's hard in some ways. It's easy in other ways. We're about to talk about the easy ways. Let's review the verse again, Matthew 12 where he says, come to me, all you who labor. I wonder if there's anyone in this room who would say, yeah, that's my life. I'm laboring and I'm heavy laden. Well, Jesus Christ calls you. He calls you to a place of rest. And I will give you rest. What will I get if I become a follower of Jesus Christ? You'll get better than a celepostropedic, better than a sleep number, Better than a my pillow. Anybody here have a my pillow? I've been thinking I might try one of those sometime. The commercial looks good, and he's all American. I like that. Anybody? Anybody want rest? Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Now, there is a yoke. You know what a yoke is? Remember a yoke? So you have two oxen. You want them to pull your plow. You put the yoke on them, and the yoke binds them together, and they can pull with both of their power, two ox power. Sometimes humans, often many places on the planet, humans carry a yoke, a big piece of wood across their neck, and they've got a water bucket over there and a water bucket over here, and that way they can cover, carry more weight of water in their bucket. So that's a yoke. So Jesus is talking about that, and he's saying, look, there is a yoke that you take upon you when you become my follower. It's not all just, wahoo, I'm saved, now I can do what I want. No, there's a yoke. There are things he wants you to carry. There are burdens he does want you to bear. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, you've got to love these words, gentle. Your Savior is a gentle Savior. And I am lowly in heart. He's not arrogant, mean, nasty, cracking a whip. No, he's gentle with his sheep, and he's lowly in disposition. And what will you find when you get near him? You will find rest for your soul. What will I find if I become a follower of Jesus Christ? You will find rest 
for your soul. All of life might be a chaotic mess, but you can still have rest in your soul because your feet are firmly planted upon the rock that is Jesus Christ. And then he says at the end, for my yoke, there is a yoke, there are burdens, there are commandments, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm going to say it this way. If your version of following Jesus is not easy, it's not Jesus' version. In what ways is it easy? Ways following Jesus is easy. Is that what's up there now? Good. All right, there you go. Um, Number one, it is not performance-based. How do I become, how how do I enter into the favor of God? How, How do I become a person with whom God is pleased? Salvation is by grace, plus nothing. Through faith, plus nothing. In Christ, plus nothing. It is not performance-based. It's so easy. It's not, no, well, you got to do five of these and you might please them, and 15 of those and you might please them, and try, 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 harder, 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 and you might please them. No, Jesus Christ did everything necessary for God to be fully pleased with you when you're in Christ. Yeah, hallelujah is right. Big, big hallelujah, bro. And furthermore, I already said it, but I'll put it in print. It's received by grace, through faith. It's not by becoming a member of the church. It's not by going to some class. It's not by getting baptized. None of those things make you a believer. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And next, here's how it's easy. It makes you eternally right with God. By one simple childlike act of saving faith, the thief on the cross, Lord Jesus Remember me when you come in your kingdom. And what did Jesus say to him? No, you got to do 42 things first. No, 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 no. He said, you're almost dead, buddy, but this day you'll be in paradiso with me. It's by grace through faith. He had believed. By grace through faith, all of the sins you will ever think of or do or say are buried in the depths of the sea are removed as far from you as the east is from the west. The eye of God sees them no longer. In Christ you are holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Big hallelujah. So it's not this performance-based thing. It's not this uh, hard-working, working, working. It's by grace, through faith, that makes you eternally right with God. And its New Testament commands are gentle and few, and light. Now I'll give you a little bit of the historical context for those words of Jesus when he said, come to me if you're all burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He was comparing himself and his lordship to that of the religious leaders of his day. They were called the scribes and the Pharisees, and they delighted in making heavy burdens and heaping them upon people, burdens which they themselves did not lift a pinky finger to bear. It is said, it was John Owen, the great Puritan pastor in the 1600s, who said, they wrote out so many commands for correct Sabbath observance that you could not read them all in a whole Sabbath day. 
even without the Pharisees' extensions of God's law, in Acts chapter 15, known as the Jerusalem Conference, James, a great leader in the church, referred to the entirety of the Old Testament law as, quote, a burden which neither we nor our fathers could bear. All of those laws and prescriptions, and then where the way they got hammered out to more and more and more, it was just this weight upon the people. And Jesus says, in contrast to that, I'm going to give you an easy yoke and a light burden. I have comparatively very few commandments, and they're, they're not difficult. In fact, you want to make it real easy? There are two commandments. Love God and love people. That's hard because you have idols in your heart and you love yourself. But it's easy. A child can do that. Love God. And then you always do what honor his, honors him and love people. And then you always do what serves them. Following Jesus is also easy for another reason. Goodness. It gives you rest for your soul. That might be the thing I like most about it. Before I was a believer, we heard Corey's story early. Interesting that you mentioned, where are you, Corey? Are you in here? Interesting that you go downstairs. Ah. I'm going to have a picture of hamsters on a treadmill in a minute. I wanted her to see that. She talked about the treadmill. So uh, interesting to hear Corey's story. My story, I did not have rest for my soul. I had a good life, had good stuff. Things were going great. I enjoyed, you know, popularity and stuff that young people want. No rest in my soul. I came to Jesus Christ. The rest in my soul has never gone away. Has life been hard? Excruciatingly hard sometimes. But there's always this rest, this resting place for my soul. Do you know the song, It Is Well With My Soul? You want to sing it? Are you sing it. I'm not singing it. <laughs> it is well with my soul. So following Jesus Christ is easy, but in the time remaining, I want to make some points about ways Christians make the easy part hard by adding to it. Don't add to it. Keep the hard parts hard and don't make them easy. Keep the easy parts easy and don't make them hard. Here are some ways Christians make the easy part hard. I'm going to go kind of fast through some of these. First one is simply legalism. Down with legalism. Fie on legalism. Legalism is making man-made rules, rules that God did not make, giving people commandments and burdens that God did not give them. Down with legalism. Jesus intends his yoke be easy, his burden be light. Please don't add to my burden by telling me you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do this. Well, that's not in the Bible. I want us to be really, I want me, all right, I'll speak for me, but yeah, for you too. I want me to be really, really, really careful about not placing one burden on a child of God that Scripture does not clearly place upon their heart. Is that good? That's good, right? I've been in other places where we, where we made up lots of burdens and laid them on people. Learned my lesson, I hope. Don't want to go there anymore. But there's legalism, and we make what's easy hard. I met with a pastor recently. He's of another, he's pastors of another church in this area. I actually even know some of his people. And I basically listened to him for about an hour and 20 minutes tell me what a mess he has to live with. What a 
terrible mess is going on and all the disagreements. And he was telling me what the disagreements are over. And I was like, why is that even a point? Thing after thing, why are you even talking about I don't even know about that. I don't even understand. I never heard of that. Uh, it's not in the Bible. Why are you all fighting over that? And you have all this stuff going on in the air. It's not even in Scripture. Let me make it real easy for you. Stick with Scripture. Stick with God's Word. Stick with the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's another way Christians make the easy part hard, with a performance treadmill mentality. Can we see the treadmill? There it is. The one on the left. That's you. He's getting tossed, man. Yeah. And that's you. Got to live this Christian life. Got to perform so God will be happy with me. And when I have this thing with God. We have this quid pro quo relationship where I do the things that please him. You imagine, but you're really not very good at it. I'm doing the things that pleases him. And because of that, he owes me and he'll give me the good things that I want in my life. Oh God, you didn't give me the good things. What's broken? What's wrong with the system? What's going on? I'm being a good Christian. Why didn't you give me the good things? Doesn't work that way. There's no, I perform and he blesses me in this arrangement. A, you don't perform very well anyway. B, it's by grace through faith. None of it's based on your performance. There's no agreement, if you live a good holy life, then I will bless you with the life you... No. Please understand it does not work that way. So you don't complain at God when it doesn't go the way you thought you had earned. And then that leads to the next one that I'll call bad Christian syndrome, bad Christian syndrome. And it looks like this. That's you, and that's a pretty good depiction of your Christian life, and mine, and all of ours. We're messing things up, folks. Anybody who thinks, I'm doing the will of God, man, you're just like blind to yourself. You don't know your heart at all. But some of us, some of us, I'm of this kind, it's just easy. Maybe it's too easy. It's just easy for me to go right to the cross, take that room right to the cross. Lord, Lord I'm sorry. I repent. I turn. It was wrong. Please forgive me. Thank you for the blood of Christ. And, and I mean it, and I feel it, and I'm right there, and I can go there quickly and easily, and I don't come out feeling like, you creep, you slob, you just did that too fast with God. No, it was meaningful. It was valuable. Others of you aren't wired like that. Others of you, like, beat yourself and whip yourself for days and days and days, and you can't seem to just go back to the cross and leave it. That's bad Christian syndrome. You know the Lord Jesus who shed his blood to forgive all of your sins and to cleanse your conscience is not honored and glorified when you go for days and days and days and days whipping yourself for sins he died for. He's not honored when you go days and days and days gloomy and Eeyore-like. What's wrong with you? Well, I sinned again. Well, what else is new? Uh, how long do I need to stay there? repenting as long as you need to stay there till you know you really repented. For me, that happens fast. Some of you might need longer, but there's no sense in stretching that thing out. And the Lord Jesus must be up in heaven saying, what are you doing? I have forgiven you. The blood has covered your sins. Your transgressions are removed from the eye of God forever. What are you doing groveling? Why are you sitting around like a bad Christian? Listen, let's get this straight. That 
Is the picture still there? That is all of us. It's not like I'm up here a really amazing model of a wonderful Christian and I'm trying to help you get there. No, we're all that. We're all a mess. We all need a lot of work. We're all somewhere on the spectrum of becoming like Christ. And there is a fountain that is open for sin and uncleanness. Is that good or what? There's a fountain. Well, I messed up again. I tore up the sofa again. That's all right. There's a fountain, not a drop. A fountain that is open. For what? For sin, your sin. For uncleanness, your uncleanness. And you just go plunge yourself under that fountain as often, as often, as often, as often as you need to because the Christian life is a life of complete and constant repentance. Getting back under the fountain. One more way that Christians make what's supposed to be easy hard is just by having unrealistic expectations, unrealistic comparisons. So Martin Luther, I mentioned him. He was the one who ignited the flame that launched the Protestant Reformation in the 1400s. And he used to pray all alone in his little cell. He was a monk for hours. And now and then he'd have a really difficult day coming. And he said, "Uh, I've got this really hard thing today. I must pray more. And he'd go pray for like literally four hours. So your mother with three kids, there's snot everywhere. Your husband is working right now out of town. He's not even home. Um, The refrigerator broke. The dog's sick. Uh, Everything's going wrong. Car won't start. And and what are you? Are you supposed to get up and pray four hours? Some of you say, "Yeah, I'm such a terrible Christian, bad Christian syndrome," because I don't pray four hours like Martin Luther. I want to give you a hint. You know the hint's coming. Neither do I. I can't pray for, I guess I could. I don't know. If Jesus was in the garden and said, watch and pray with me, then I'd better watch and pray, right? But four hours? What happens to you if you pray for four hours? Sleep. Well, he said, I will give you rest. (laughs) I just don't think that's what it meant. You can be so unrealistic. Look at your season of life. Look at what spiritual gifts God has given you and and them, and you don't have their gifts, and so you're, I'm such a bad Christian, I don't have what they have. You're not going to have what they have, but they don't have what you have. You're different Christians. What about different seasons of life? My wife and I, we don't have snot-nosed kids in the house anymore. I'm here to tell you, life gets a whole lot easier when there's no more diapers. Man. The grocery bill was, does not exceed the mortgage every month anymore. It's awesome. There's money. How did that happen? But you can have unrealistic expectations. So let me close with this. If your version of following Jesus Christ is not hard, it's not Jesus' version. There are hard things about following Jesus Christ. But at the same time, if your version of following Jesus is not easy, it's not Jesus' version. It's very easy. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Some of us really need to pay attention to the hard because we're lying around in hammocks and we need to get working hard on following Jesus. Some of us really need to work on the easy. 
We're living in bad dog syndrome and flying off of treadmills all the time. And you need to reckon on the blood of Christ has cleansed me from every transgression and all my sins. And he's a lowly and a gentle Savior. And in him I find rest for my soul. Pray with me, please. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the easy parts of the Christian life. We're praying to you right now that you would make it possible for people in this room that you would enable them by your Holy Spirit to do the hard thing, to turn from self to God. And to do the easy thing, to believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. Some of you need to pray along with me, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're a gentle and lowly Savior. Please save me, the likes of me, undeserving me. Please have me as one of your blood-bought children. May your shed blood on Calvary's cross, may your atoning sacrifice on Calvary's cross pay for all of my transgressions and all my sins. Lord Jesus, I want that new heart that loves you and follows you. I want your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, to live inside of me and to change me from the inside out. Lord Jesus, put those desires in hearts in this place, I pray. Thank you for the table of communion. We, your people, we, your followers, we, your believers, we humbly come to the tables where we get to fellowship with one another and with you at the table today, Lord Jesus. Would you give us a deep sense of your love for us, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness? For we ask all in the name of Jesus.